Friday and welcome to this My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. On today's show, Taylor Charleston will have a report talking about building an effective soil health blend when tank mixing. And I'll have regional and national agricultural news kicking off with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. California Department of Food and Agriculture Deputy Secretary for Administration and Finance Kevin Masuhara is retiring after 16 years at the agency. He has also served as CDFA's Director of Marketing Service and as the County and State Liaison, a position that works directly with California's Agriculture Commissioners and Sealers of Weights and Measures. As Deputy Secretary, Masuhara provided crucial leadership during the COVID-19 crisis when the agency pivoted to a new workforce paradigm, first remote and in hybrid and he has helped lead CDFA forward on equity initiatives both inside the department and among stakeholders seeking to participate in agency programs. In addition, he has guided CDFA through the booms and busts of fiscal cycles and positioned the agency to strengthen its commitments to leadership development, upward mobility, and succession planning. CDFA Secretary Karen Ross says they wish Karen all the best in retirement, but he will definitely be deeply missed. He has contributed significantly to the operations of the agency through leadership development, process improvement, emergency preparedness, and equity advancement. And as a farmer himself, he has been a tireless advocate for California's farmers and ranchers through his administration and leadership. Former California Strawberry Commission Chairman and longtime board member Neil Nagata was honored as the San Diego County Farm Bureau Farmer of the Year. Nagata has over 30 years experience in fresh fruit, vegetable, and strawberry substrate hydroponic production and research. In addition to his growing experience, Nagata is an expert in many aspects of agriculture and biological science, including field and commercial research and production. Nagata is an invaluable asset to the farming community through his negotiations with governments, regulators, and businesses, including leading the first shipment of strawberries in the world to be allowed entry to China. Nagata has also played a major role in farm worker advocacy, serving as the founding president of the nonprofit California Strawberry Growers Scholarship Fund, providing scholarships for children of California strawberry farmers workers. During the past 26 years, over $2 million has been raised and gifted to farm workers as children. The San Diego County Farm Bureau is a nonprofit organization supporting the more than 5,700 farmers within the county. Ranking 12th in the nation, San Diego boasts top crops in cut flowers, nursery, avocados, tomatoes, citrus, poultry, mushrooms, and strawberries. Poor weather, mainly rain and heat is forcing cauliflower prices to shoot back up. Week 43's report of volume out of the Salinas, Watsonville area is nearly half of week 42's. As a result, prices are quite effortlessly doubling to $32 from last week's $17. Lettuce markets aren't the only produce commodity looking forward to the desert season picking up production in a few weeks. 
While the U.S. is not experiencing a shortage of butter, the U.S. is experiencing tight stocks and prices that remain elevated, slightly lower production than last year and higher exports of butter. Competition for butter is high, too. All these factors together mean prices are likely to remain elevated through the holiday season and supplies will remain tight compared to last year. So how did the country get there? It comes down to supply and demand. There is 22% less butter in storage in October of 2022 than there was in October of 2021, according to USDA. Butter also costs 24% more today than one year ago, but neither of these factors equate to a butter shortage. In fact, they are linked. When there is less of something, it costs more. It also means that buyers will scramble to get their hands on butter and possibly more than they need before their neighbor or competitor. Any media reports citing butter shortages only amplify that impulse, sending large buyers and individual shoppers into a frenzy. Grocery shoppers are not the only individuals out there buying butter. There are buyers for grocery stores responsible for keeping shelves stocked and buyers for restaurants and institutions whose job it is to make sure butter is on the menu. While prices are higher than last year, butter remains available, according to the International Dairy Foods Association. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. There's a lot to consider when creating a tank mix, and now there's a new player in the field. Most think about pesticides or foliar fertilizers when they think about tank mixes, but now biological products have entered the sphere. Just like pesticides or foliars, it's important to create a mix that is effective and compatible for the given crop. And in this case, one that doesn't kill the living material you're often mixing in the process. I think we need to be treating biological products um, when it comes to tank mixes, just like we do those pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, fertility, Um, you know, asking similar questions when we're doing these tank mixes. So multiple things to consider when you're going to be taking mixing with a biological product. And this is where understanding one, your product formulation is really important. Um, And then also, which is kind of unique to a biological product, which is the shelf life and also the viability of the product. And then also the mode of action is a key thing to think of as well. So there's a few questions you can ask yourself when you're starting to tank mix. And one of the first ones when working with a biological product would be, is your biological living or non-living? So if it is a living biological, um, you know, we need to think about what could impact that biological, um, what things could technically kill off that biological in the tank mix. So thinking of things that you don't necessarily think of when you're looking at fertility um, or pesticide products. Another thing to think of is, do you have the proper storage or logistics for your product? So again, if we're using a living inoculant, some of these have storage restraints such as temperature. Um, So do you have the facilities to be able to mix these products Um, or thinking more along the lines of agitation? Some of these products need agitation either before you go out in the field um, or to incorporate them in. And do you have that equipment to agitate that tank mix in the proper way? Another thing to think of is, What are you tank mixing with? You know, what other crop inputs are you putting in there? You need to consider things such as the pH of that mix. um, What other chemicals, fungicides, pesticides, herbicides are you adding? And how could that potentially impact that biological product? And can it impact the efficacy of that biological product? You know, we don't want to hinder ourselves um, from the tank mix. Um, We don't want to put something, spend money on a biological. And when you tank mix it, you are already have impeded the efficacy and haven't even gotten to the field. So really understanding the, the incorporation of that biological into things you're already mixing with it. 
And then in addition, um, and this is something we think about usually with fertility and other maintenance applications is chemical compatibility. Is this um, chemically compatible with what we're adding in? And then lastly, the things to think about is mixing order. Do we need to have a certain mixing order for this product? Should it go in first? Should it go in last? Um, does it need to be diluted before we add in? Um, you know, those are all things to kind of think about when we're looking at tank mixing. And incompatibilities can be caused by numerous factors, but usually we can kind of separate these into either chemical or biological interactions. So from a chemical standpoint, you're thinking of, can this tank mix cause precipitation to occur or components of this product to settle out? And that will cause um, major headaches from, um, you know, your mixed tank, you'll have to get in there and clean that out. Also, if you don't have to, and you get far enough where you're actually putting it through um, nozzles and sprayers, you could have a nightmare when you're going out there applying that on the field. From a biological aspect, we really need to think about the efficacy or the viability of the product. When we're doing this tank mix, are we impeding that efficacy or viability before we even get in the field? Um, as well as understanding of, are we incre increasing the risk of crop damage? You know, that's really important. We don't want to hinder ourselves in that way, either causing burn or killing off the crop from um, a mistake we made um, from a tank mix. That was Cassidy Million with Helier. Depending on the product being used and how much is known about the product, a lot of this information on incompatibilities can be found right on the label. Other times, the grower or applicator will have to look to other sources or simply test the product themselves, which is standard. Always read the label first. Take your time. Read the label. Read the documentation. And if you have questions, ask them. Um, reach out to that retailer and ask them if they have any, they know of any incompatible mix incompatible mixes um, that they've already tested and really understanding the products you're mis mixing and asking questions. Um, and the biggest thing is if you get to that point and you look like you have a green light, always do a jar test. Um, always, always do a jar test before you go into a large mix. This will help you save headache where there's, you know, there's an unknown factor that you can find in a small level before you get to large gallons. But in the terms of viability of a, pro a product, especially with a biological, if you're looking at something like a living inoculant, um, you know, that's hard to see that it's not compatible, right? So an option with that is you can actually do that tank mix and you can send it off to the lab and get it tested and they can let you know if that product still viable or not. So that is another option. That's something you would need to plan for. Um, you know, nothing you can do the day of, but um, planning is key if you want to look into viability. But another thing to think about from an incompatibility standpoint is a lot of times we're diluting these products, right? With um, a solvent, usually water, um, and water can impact your biological as well. If your water has a high pH, um, has high chlorine, you know, those types of things that can impact the viability of your biological. So getting your water tested is key as well. And if you need to do a water treatment before you test, that's something to also think about. Drawing another similarity to pesticides, biologicals all have a specific mode of action, which also have to be taken into consideration when thinking about tank mixing incompatibilities. Understanding the products to their fullest, including the mode of action, is key. Um, this is key to avoiding any incompatibility or viability issues, um, which is really important when we're talking about biologicals. So um, I think a great example is if you're going to be adding in a living component, such as a bacteria inoculant, and you're mixing it with a bactericide or water with high 
chlorine, copper, or manganese, um, all of those inputs have the potential to kill living bacteria. So you're just setting up yourself um, to lose that viability of that biological that you want out in your field. So understanding the mode of action of all of the products, not just the biologicals, and how those could potentially interact is really key to um, success out in the field. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. John Deere has announced it is investing $29.8 million to begin manufacturing harvesters in the United States instead of China. Louisiana State Development Agency says the agricultural manufacturers expanding an already existing factory in the state and adding another 70 jobs. This investment by Deere and Company demonstrates not only the strength of Louisiana's manufacturing sector, but the resilience and recovery of the Bayou region, according to Louisiana's Governor John Edwards. Deere will produce medium chassis cotton harvesters to replace the model's current built in China. The new jobs will pay an average salary of $47,472 a year and add to Deere's existing workforce of 311 employees in the state. Russia's again endangering global food and fertilizer supplies as it backs out of the July Black Sea grain deal that freed up Ukrainian exports. Russia blames an alleged Ukrainian drone attack on its Black Sea warships moored off occupied Crimea for pulling out of the grain export deal. Ukraine denies the attack, but the November 19th expiration of the grain deal without renewal could reignite hunger and food inflation fears globally. State Department spokesman Ned Price spoke earlier on Russia's blockade. It is... Uh a reflection of Russia's wanton disregard uh, for lives and livelihoods, not only in the region, but well beyond. Secretary of State Antony Blinken accused Russia again of weaponizing food in a war it started directly impacting low and middle income countries and causing global food crisis, a point that Price made in July. Russia has weaponized Uh, food during this conflict. Uh, They have destroyed agricultural facilities. They prevented uh, millions of tons of Ukrainian grain from getting to those who need it. The Black Sea grain deal was supposed to end the hunger threat, moving so far more than 9 million metric tons of food. Prices for wheat and corn on global commodities markets rose yesterday. Russia now says it can no longer guarantee the safety of civilian dry cargo ships participating in the Black Sea initiative and is suspending its implementation for an indefinite period. EU, UN, and NATO officials were trying to save the deal while inbound and outbound cargo shifts were still getting inspected and some were moving over the weekend. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey is in with the latest USDA look at rice harvest progress. We have the rice harvest. Last look at that for the 2022 season showing 97% of the U.S. rice harvested on October 30th, right on par with five-year average, equal to what we saw this time a year ago. Rice harvest, of course, wrapped up in the western Gulf Coast states of Louisiana and Texas, and all six reporting states at or above 90% harvested. Slowest at this point is California, 90% of the rice harvested. Five-year average there is 96%. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey. 
The 2022-2023 National FFA Officer Team was elected during the final session of the 95th National FFA Convention and Expo in Indianapolis recently. Students from Illinois, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Virginia were chosen as the National FFA Officers. Andrew Siebel of Virginia is the new National President. Jessica Hare of Pennsylvania was elected as the National Secretary. Ryan Williamson of Texas is the Western Region Vice President. And McKenna Clifton of North Carolina is the Southern Regional Vice President. Karsten Contrell of Oklahoma is the Central Region Vice President, and Gracie Murphy of Illinois is the East Region Vice President. These members were selected from 35 candidates vying for the honor. Throughout their year of service to the organization, the officers interact with business and industry leaders, thousands of FFA members and teachers, and many other groups and individuals. The National FFA organization currently has more than 850,000 student members in almost 9,000 chapters. As central banks across the developed world hike interest rates in response to inflation, the consensus is the world could be well moving towards a global recession. An agribusiness economic analyst says recent events are pointing to this scenario. Dennis Guy reports. Dr. Al Mussel, research lead at Agri-Food Economic Systems, based in Guelph, Ontario, says North Americans are the lucky ones. But with agriculture and agribusiness alliances so globally interconnected, we should not think for a moment that we are isolated from events. Al Mussel says some of our closest European allies are dealing with an immediate energy crisis. And he says Western Europe is already expecting a smaller food crop harvest next year due to severe input shortages. The front line on this really is Western Europe, Germany, it's France, those Western European countries. They are in a bad way, and I don't know as North Americans if we sense just exactly what they are going to have to contend with, but before the Nord Stream gas lines were blown, they had an energy crisis on their hands. You're going to have short crops next year because the fertilizer just isn't there. Prior to the Russian-Ukraine situation, the world has not been able to build a solid grain stocks inventory for five years. While inventories did show a slight increase last year, Mussel said those numbers are misleading. And along with an energy crisis, Western Europe has a looming food shortage, which is based on a lack of nitrogen-based fertilizers. There's not enough nitrogen fertilizer to go around. There just isn't. We haven't been able to build stocks since 2017. Year by year, basically, we're feeding ourselves out of the previous year's harvest. Last year, the stocks were up. Well, the reason for that is when you got 21 million tons of corn and wheat stuck in Ukraine, that obviously affects that relationship. To a much greater extent over time, those stocks are being held in importing countries. If they're sitting with an importing country, they're not moving. In a world where demand will outpace supply and shortages are commonplace, forward planning is a necessity. Dr. Al Mussel says producers should have as much input inventory in place now as possible. And now is also the time to have a friendly banker on your side. The way that we have thought about financing our annual cropping cycle and the working capital, that has changed in short order dramatically. So, you know, the demands on working capital, just on the input side, are, I think, much more intense than they've been in the past. Simply put, the higher the price goes, the more volatility you can have on it. And somebody has to finance that. Reporting from Canada, I'm Dennis Guy. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. 
we deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees. Superior pollination. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 